0: Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 Development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 Development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office 365 Dev. So welcome to episode 67 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. 67, it just keeps shocking me how uh, quickly these episode numbers keep growing up. I'm um, in Amsterdam right now. I was in Munich for the weekend at a SharePoint center there, which uh, Matthias Igning and a bunch of other guys ran. And now I'm at um, Unity Connect show, um, which is uh, created up by Dan Holm, he's probably the most public figure who's running that event. And um, so far, so good. We've had a good dev crowd here, and lots of good questions, and I've got to admit, in terms of the speaker, poll, there's uh, some really interesting speakers here, um, some of the usual suspects in terms of like Andrew Connell and Waldeck MasterCars from a dev perspective, but um, I've jumped in a few other sessions that have been really interesting as well. So um, it's been a fun week from that perspective. I've got uh, Matt McDonough with me right now, so thank you for taking your time out of here today to uh, be on the show, mate.
1: No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for interviewing me after all of my sessions are done. Yeah, that,
0: yeah so there's no panic now. That's you can right. kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen a few of those faces, so it's the last day of the conference and people are starting to... Uh, it a little bit. There was a few hectic internet dramas on the first day which they succumbed. I think Windows 10 updating was definitely that a part was, of that, that problem. That was
1: the, the suspect this yeah. time around, that's right. Yeah,
0: and uh, I, I didn't realize it was on by default, but there is a setting that will basically allow you to, the down updates you've downloaded can be torrented out on the local network for other PCs to grab. Cool technology but not when you're in a conference center. So
1: what I heard from Dan was we have several hundred of attendees counting the delegates plus the sales folks and uh, we had 60,000 active connections through the <laughs> firewall.
0: Wow ouch yeah that sounds like a be torrenting going on <laughs> right there. So yeah so that was an interesting drama on my first session of, of yesterday but it actually went quite well so I was quite happy to do that and I did it on office web add-ins and um we did an Outlook deep dive, and then today I did a Word, PowerPoint, Excel deep dive, and it's interesting seeing the excitement in the SharePoint crowd, which is kind of what this event is in terms of um, what, what you can do with HTML and JavaScript to sure. build, build sure. Office web add-ins.
1: Well, I think the, <clears throat> I've also talked to open source developers who are, this is their first dipping their toe into development with, the Microsoft world—they they're coming from other platforms, yep. and they're very excited. And I said, "I'm glad they're here now, and weren't jaded two years ago."
0: Yes, yeah, you know, definitely. This for is me. a great
1: time to be getting into this kind of
0: development. Yep. Yeah, and we've been showing the Yeoman generator off. Actually, it's been great with Waldeck here and Andrew because we've been doing our triage meetings for the Yeoman generator in person rather than just on GitHub, which has been good. And then you have Waldeck to do all the work, right? Yeah, well, and yeah, he's sitting—he's <laughs> sitting in the speaker room right now checking in a bunch of code, so I'm pretty happy with that. That's great. So, um. There's a few updates this week. The first one I wanted to give a shout out to was our education team are running a bunch of dev camps globally, um, and you can go and check them out in the show notes. The URL, um, or if you're interested in it, it's devcamps at microsoft.com, but they're specifically around um, education partners. So it's an emersonevents.microsoft.com event. You can go and check them out there. And uh, there's some, they're all over the place, actually. So I'm just scrolling through here. There's one in California. There's one in the Netherlands in December. So yeah, you can go and check those out. They're the Office 365 Education Partner Dev Camps. And again, I'll put the link directly in the show notes. So if you're doing any work in the education space, that's certainly a good place to kind of get ramped up from that perspective. Another neat one this week was dev.onedrive.com forward slash sdks.html. And we've shipped a bunch of SDKs, including a Python SDK now uh, for the OneDrive APIs. We haven't got those for OneDrive for Business yet, but they are coming. And the iOS SDKs for OneDrive for Business are there. But also, (laughs) excuse me, there's a a file picker and a file saver SDK too for the UI that you can use with OneDrive and OneDrive for Business too. So it's certainly worth checking those out if you're doing anything with files inside of OneDrive in consumer and um, that commercial space. And with the announcements around the sync improving, um, I'm sure that user base is gonna grow and people that are paying for Office 365 uh, will flip from things like Dropbox and Google Drive and want all of their data in one place. I think that's certainly gonna be the yeah, case. Okay, it's gonna be
1: really important for OneDrive for Business. Yeah. They really need it and I'm glad, it's ha- I'm glad it got it out this quickly.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, literally there was projects stopped to put engineers to get it done. So um, I think it's brilliant that we've kind of really focused on making that right. Um, and then Veso, who was here actually for a day in Amsterdam, he, he did a session on PNP, but they've just started a weekly webcast uh, for PNP. And this one is actually on OneDrive for business customizations. There's been some changes in what you can do in terms of the user interface with OneDrive for business. I would highly recommend checking out that webcast if you have in the past applied branding to OneDrive for business sites. Um, they go through all like the avenues and pros and cons of that. But it's pretty cool now. You've got, the dev show which Sonia runs, my podcast with Richard, and now Vesa and his team with the PMP staff all in a weekly cadence, so you can't say that we're being shy with information moving forward here. It's a crazy schedule, crazy. And then, there was a super cool Excel add-in, which I demonstrated today, which got a round of applause, which is a tough crowd within the European (laughs) audience. They don't seem to have the same sense of humor as uh, Americans, and so it's tough to get into their groove. (laughs) But um, it used a Azure machine learning service to scan or you selected the cells in your Excel spreadsheet, and then it basically put sentiment analysis in the rows inserted sentiment analysis back into the Excel spreadsheet, and it's something you can go and try straight away if you go to the blog post in the show notes. You download the document template and the add-in's automatically embedded in the document template. And then you just click and select the cells and click send to analysis and it runs there and then on the spot. So really cool demo showing how you can kind of leverage external services through the add-in uh, task pane shape, which is cool. Very cool. And then um, last but not least, Waldeck blew everybody's minds <laughs> on Saturday in Munich with a session where, and I don't know how he did it in 20 minutes, but he started with a blank Yeoman Generator template. Um, he created an Office add-in where he then layered in Azure Active Directory Library, and then he called the Office Graph APIs and pulled back the most recent documents that he's been trending around him, and then he had to build it in his Outlook email to then insert that trending document in a, kind of a, a nice formatted format with a hyperlink so that he could then maybe forward that to Jeremy or whoever else who wanted to see that document all in 20 minutes. Now, he's made it even quicker today because the Yeoman Generator now has an additional option that will add the Azure ADL library, config, and whiz bang bits and pieces that's required. um, So, you don't even have to do that five-minute manual step. So, he'll now be able to do that demo in 15 minutes once he's committed that code in the Yeoman Generator. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And in the show notes, I linked to, he actually built a hands-on lab that you could follow to do it manually yourself so you can Understand what's wiring up in in that Ador library in JavaScript, which is cool. That's very cool. So it's a good segue, in the sense of Office Graph and search in general, to um, get you on the show Matt, because you've, I mean, you've historically always been someone that's been my go-to in, uh, from a search question perspective. I appreciate that. Um, there's a few of you out there now. Mikhail Svensson's another oh, yeah. one that's very heavy on the API side, but I mean,
1: and uh, Agnes Molnar is always doing great well. stuff yep. around around the the strategy of search and how organizations yep. can, can leverage search.
0: Yeah, so I mean, as that member, like how long have you been in this space? Like I have known you for a long time now, but for those that don't know you that are out there, I've been, what's um, your history?
1: I, I, this is my ninth year as a SharePoint MVP, so I'm up for my renewal in January, hopefully wow. going for 10. And uh, I've been interested in search as long as Microsoft has been investing in search. Yeah. So around the 2007 time frame, started taking things seriously and with the 2010 implementation, Implementation of SharePoint, Search got significantly better with the acquisition of Fast. Microsoft really started focusing on Search by producing Search Server, which was really not a heavily adopted technology, but what it proved to the analysts and what it proved to the investors was that is that search is something Microsoft was taking seriously. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, even though there is no search server anymore, that is what got them into Fast, Bing, because you know, we went from MSN Search to Bing. And, yeah. then, and, and as Microsoft learned more about search and started taking it seriously, it became really important to me as well because I, was, I became an evangelist to talk about how organizations can use search to really change the way you know, they're generating content, but they're not finding it once it's been generated. So there was a lot of studies done around, you know, how long an employee will actually search for something before they abandon the search and just recreate it themselves and how expensive that is for an organization. And so I think as we see search technologies taking off and with some of the recent announcements that Microsoft has made with the platform that we'll talk about later in the show. Yeah. I'm very excited, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with how well search is being adopted in organizations and at least the awareness. I think that the, the foot soldier knows they can't find what they're looking for, but I don't think that the C-level executives really understood just how expensive a proposition it was to regenerate content that they've already generated two or three or four times, right. and search is really helping us with I, I
0: always laugh, like the, the big thing that, as a blogger, you'll know this too is often I'll come across a problem and I'll I'll use Google or Bing to go search for the the resolution of that problem and I'll search for the error message or something. And the amount of times where you do the search for the error and it will be your blog post where you've actually fixed the problem in the past and you've forgotten about it. And if you put that on a scale on an organizational wide level where, I mean, you've helped me out a bunch of times with your blog posts in the past, Where I've searched for something and I've read your blog post and an organization wide thing that's even more scale of that kind of that issue. Exactly.
1: Or you're in a you're a big pharmaceutical company and five years ago you invested in some, some early technology to find out how to crack some piece of chemical code but you abandon that project and now it's become important again right, right. and if you can just go back and find that and invent the next tylenol or the next motrin yeah. and and revolutionize the pharmaceutical industry but save all that time and reinventing the wheel it's not just the document you're reinventing yeah it's all of the research that surrounded that document
0: and i think the way with cell phones are going now like with cortana and siri and Google now, like even as a consumer, people are Kind of almost falling that search is the first way to go exploring for things now rather than going direct to websites or direct to content. Sure. So it, it, I think it will become more in demand in the organizational world as well that they just expect search to work like it does in the consumer space well, as well.
1: And I think that the browsers where you used to type in Google and then type your question into Google, right? Now you just type your question in the yeah. address bar and it immediately goes to yeah. your preferred yeah. search engine. Or
0: like Edge in Windows 10, like you start yeah. typing and it's in the middle of the page and you're like, whoa, hang on a minute, yeah. what, what's doing, am I searching or can I put an address and, in here?
1: And you see the things you've searched for before, which sometimes it's embarrassing that there you are searching for the same right. thing again, but sometimes it's really helpful because it is a piece of, of information that you're trying to find out about on, a, on an ongoing basis. I want to know the updates from today, and then tomorrow I'm searching for the same thing because in a news cycle, there may be more updates. So there are reasons that you would re-execute that same search.
0: Yeah, and so historically in SharePoint, like search has been there for a long time. What are the typical things you can do as a, as a consultant, as a developer, kind of vanilla configuration in the user interface research? What, what typical things do you see customers doing? So
1: one of the things I see them doing is focusing on the, the user interface for the search result itself. Yeah. Um, they want to call out special classes of content, working with a customer where they're very report-oriented, so expense reports and things like that are very important to them. So we call out that specific kind of content in a search result. And then rather than forcing you to find the content, click through to the content, open the content, and look at it, yeah. present the information from the content directly in the search result. So show me all of my expense reports. I get a, I can I can query that very quickly. And then on the expense report, show me the manager that approved it, as well as the, the dollar amount of the total expense report, and maybe even the city that I traveled to, but have all that information in the display template itself associated with that particular piece of content.
0: And and how does search do that? Like, how does it understand the structured data of a document so you can actually use that in that display template? It does
1: that through managed properties. So when the indexer comes through and finds properties inside the document or or, uh, properties associated with the document in a document library, it will register those as what are called crawled properties. Then as search experts, we come in and we can manage those properties. And the the reason that it's a two-step that process, first of all, is that there's a, a hundred, There's I think there's 800 crawled properties, just when you install SharePoint out of the box. Yeah. And then as it discovers more properties, it, it adds those to that catalog. Now all of those, some of those might be noise, so we don't necessarily manage all of them. But I can choose department, I can choose expense report, total as a managed and turn those into managed properties to visualize them in the UI or to query on them so that I could construct a search page that says, show me all of Matt McDermott's reports that were approved by Jeremy Fake that are over a $1,000. And I can do all of that with refinement inside the search center just by doing a little bit of configuration change.
0: And and, and you talk about this, you know, the expense report as an example. So would I assume that you know you need to have your documents of particular content type so you can do that filter or it can it be intelligent other ways. Content
1: types definitely make it easier. And yeah. on a farm wide or even multi-farm system, having knowledge of the content types makes it a lot easier. Yeah, take okay. the take the traditional approach of publishing news in six different site collections, but wanting to filter those news items up to a to a home page on a portal. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a delegate today who was asking me about the best way to do that. And having a news content type makes that really easy. Right. Because then you can add to that an, an extra attribute of show on homepage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And if you click show on homepage, it automatically federates up to the main portal. Whereas if it's unchecked, then it only shows in the departmental portal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So
1: having having the line of sight and the vision to build the solution that way makes it easier. But the other solution I showed today is we have this really important list It's just like every other list. So I can use the path attribute uh, and I can go okay. after that content specifically right. by doing path contains and then the URL directly to that list yep. and show the content that way. So you can you can come in after 80% of the solution has been built and yep. add search to it. But it's always nice to have at least a conversation about how search is gonna integrate with any app that you're doing to make sure it works well.
0: And then with content types, when you're deploying them and you mentioned multi-farm, like what, approaches do you work with the customers to make sure the content type ID is the same across different site collections and farms? See, the beauty of
1: it is content type ID could be, you know, essentially, I won't say it's a GUID because we know it's It's, a really complex, it it looks like a lot of ones and zeros most of the time. We can do it by name. Okay. So I can say content type equals news.
0: Right, and, so and it doesn't it matter pick, about the It doesn't the matter ideas. what the ID is, but yeah. you
1: can also use the ID, because yeah. there's a content type ID attribute that I can look at. Right. And so if I really want to make sure that it's my news and not your news, yeah, then yeah. I can use that attribute, sure. which would be potentially unique across farms. But as a developer, you can also deploy the content type and specify the content type ID, yeah. so that you can synchronize those across farms if you're using a solution. Yeah,
0: I don't know like VESA has some great stuff in the PNP system, mm-hmm. um, Site where you is know, using remote provisioning to deploy those content types Absolutely. via remote code so that's a good way of tying that in as well but
1: what you're talking about is a planned implementation yes right which and is so not always I'm the case what I'm talking about is yeah, yeah. coming in and helping a client at the end of the story right, when they right. go crud we yeah. have to search for this stuff too Yeah, yeah. and so a lot of times I don't have that luxury
0: and that's traditionally how it happens right it's not something was initially thought up
1: up front no nobody thinks about search up front yeah. they think about let's get SharePoint out let's get the intranet built and, and isn't search Just part of that package.
0: Right. And then I guess, you know, from that, uh, the look and feel, what skill sets do you need for those display templates? Like, what are you writing all that in? It's this language called HTML.
1: Yeah, that's nice and easy. You know, and uh, and I'll admit that um, there is a component of JavaScript in it, and yeah. it's a special flavor of JavaScript that works within the um, within the display template. Yeah. But it's just JavaScript, so you can you can um, add jQuery. There's all kind, you know, any any JavaScript library or any JavaScript technology that you want to use inside the display template that's legal and valid. Yeah. So you can't do cross domain scripting. You can't do a a lot of the things that you can't do in other JavaScript languages can be used in a display template. And so I've seen people do things like search within search where you find a document of a certain type and then you have a little show me more like this link and we'll use jQuery to pop open an accordion panel that shows more or more from this author or more on this news topic and you click on that and you can, so you can do these little expand and contract um, accordion things out of the box you get the hover panel and I've seen people augment the hover panel one of the demos I do is you find a customer you hover over the customer and it shows you a, a Bing map to their location using the metadata of their of their address yeah. to show that map super simple stuff as long as you've got an internet connection it just works
0: beautifully so I haven't touched search in a while since so I was a consultant back in Australia <laughs> and I distinctly remember it being XSLT oh my gosh yeah in, in so, SharePoint 2010 right, it was, you used okay. to
1: get you used to get a whole garbage Garbage truck load of search results yeah. that you then had to go through with XSL right. and figure out: Are you a Word document? Are you a Word document? Right. Are you a Word document? And it was miserable.
0: And there was this really cool template XSLT that would dump out all the properties yeah. that were in yeah. return. Yeah, a couple I forget,
1: of us MVPs. I forget wrote what MVP that wrote that, one. Wrote that one. Yeah. but that one came in <laughs> really useful. So that's improved all since 2010. Significantly then. improved. Okay. So now what we have is we have a rules engine. And, and yeah. to be fair, in 2010 we had the SharePoint 2010 search engine, and then we had the all the option of the fast search engine. Correct, yeah. In SharePoint 2013, we've taken the best of the SharePoint 2010 um, crawler and the indexing technology there along with the best of fast indexing, fast content processing, yep. fast query to be able to get this unified engine. So there is only one engine in 2013, same engine that's running in Exchange 2013 yep. and same engine that's running with enhancements in the uh, IT preview of SharePoint 2016. Right, okay. So... What you have now is a rules engine that you can go configure and say, if you are a Word document, and if the department is IT, or if you are a Word document and you are of content type expense report, yeah. then display this way.
0: Right, And okay. so now what
1: you're doing is you're working with a template that represents one result. Sure, yeah, okay, that and makes sense. And that's the beauty of it. So now I can I can focus, I can get my designer to actually punch out some really cool HTML, just yeah.
0: static HTML. And just like stub the results. And I can stuff
1: it in there, Yeah. and wherever they have literal values, I can replace them with the search result values. using a little token substitution, and I can get the results I need.
0: And and how do you deploy that to an environment? Like if I've got dev, test, prod type, SharePoint server environment? So out of the box, there's a couple of
1: ways to do that. You can try to use the design manager. Uh, The design manager can take an environment that already has a master page catalog, package up those assets, and turn them into a deployable file on another environment. The challenge with Design Manager is that it grabs everything. So it grabs all of the out of the box, templates as well as the ones you built. So more more often than not, what we do is we build our own design package, which essentially is a cap file yep. to manifest so that the, just like you deploy your, your features and solutions sure. now, okay. it's the same kind of thing. So you can do remote provisioning with it as well, because essentially you just have to copy documents into the document yeah, library it just gets that repetitive. is the master page catalog. Right, right. You deploy the HTML file, SharePoint automatically generates the JS file that's actually used in the results rendering process. Yeah,
0: and then how do you manage those files to the search results screens is that you have to configure the web parts in the search results screens to map to those? No,
1: you don't. You okay. use, it's that result type rule. Oh, is that, that, that what deploy. does the mapping? So those okay. are deployed separately from the design assets. Right. And so there is a export and an import of the XML file that is yeah. the search config or you can use PowerShell and and develop those rules yourself. And,
0: and is that a similar approach in SharePoint server and SharePoint online? Is it the same So you,
1: can't, you can do the import and export into SharePoint point online that yeah. works very well. Yeah. I've I've been working on trying to figure out a way to do remote configuration deployment like using a, using the some of the new scripting technologies that we have available to us I yep. just haven't had time to make sure I can do it yeah, okay. I know I can do it on-prem using PowerShell
0: and what kind of resources are out there that someone could go away and look more deeply into this was there anything at Ignite or SPC or
1: so I did a session at, um, at SPC 14 called yep. uh, display templates and query rules yep. and um, that's SPC 322 and you can get that on channel 9 yep. we'll put a link to it in the show notes Yep. And, and so that one I walk through how to do display templates how to do query rules Rules. I touch on because it's more than just the display, it's also the refinement panel that you can change. Oh,
0: okay. It's yep.
1: also the all the search controls are also control templates. Yeah. So you have all of that available to you to customize and modify and manage. It makes a very, very impressive set of tools available to somebody who wants to change the search UI. Cool,
0: okay. And then in, in kind of moving on from there around uh, so that's kind of the user interface. Yeah, that's the UI. But then you have this notion of customizations that you can do to the index as well. You can. And so, what kind of things have you done in the past there around the index type scenarios? So, on prem, one of the uh, one of the
1: resources that you have available to you is called content enrichment. Because okay. essentially, what you do is you create off of the SharePoint farm. You create a web service that satisfies a couple of requirements for interfaces. Yeah. And in that web service, you receive the item from the indexing queue yeah. before it goes to the index. And you configure a content processing call-out that calls your web service and sends it based on a trigger. And really that's the challenge because you can only have one of these per farm. Well one of these per search SSA. Right. So it has to be very performant. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you're going to take your system from documents per second to seconds right. per document. In terms of creating the in term- index. Because you are there when the index is being created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what you do is configure a trigger. So one of the examples I gave was if the document in the queue, well, first of all, if it's a document, and if yeah. it's an image, and if the image has a latitude and longitude on it, then send it over to me. So that right. way I try to really narrow down what's being sent to me. So you're not
0: processing me. unless... you so not
1: processing list items and people result people user profiles and then what I do is I take that information that's just latitude and longitude on an image send it out to Bing bring it back and now I've got reverse geolocation. And oh, I can nice. apply that to the metadata so that when I start searching, rather than searching for a latitude, I'm searching for Carmel, California. And I right. get all the images that oh, were shot really in Carmel, neat. California. Okay. So it, it really drives home how cool it is to be able to augment the information right. in the index. I've seen people do this with company names and going and getting the NASDAQ or the, or the uh, stock exchange ticker value. Yep. So if I search for MSFT, I get everything from Microsoft because right, right. it's found by the ticker. Uh, okay, that's so, neat. So things like that. Just wherever you're thinking, I've got the information, I've got some information in the document, let me have the indexer do the hard work. And
0: I like the word enrichment because I've really I was explaining exactly what it's doing. It's enriching the data that you have by adding. By adding it to the index. index. Exactly. Okay. Now, I will pick on one thing you said. You said on-premises. Uh, on-prem. So I'm guessing this is not a online story.
1: Well, so imagine that you have, uh, let's say, 300,000 tenants and all of us decide to do content enrichment out of Office 365.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you get yes. a call from Neil yeah.
1: asking us why <laughs> things are so slow. <laughs> Yeah, so you can't do this with Office 365. There's no notion of an Office of a um, enrichment callout. Right. But Corey Roth and I did a session at um, at Ignite this year. It was um, how you can it talked a lot about display templates and query rules and things yeah. like that. But then we also talked about other ways of of enhancing search. And so I showed this demo of this on-prem content enrichment service. And then I flipped the problem around for Office 365 because the the problem isn't how do I use content enrichment. The problem is how do I take my Photos that have latitude and longitude on them, and how do I get the information of where they were shot? Yeah, and so I created an image library that had all of the necessary metadata that I was tracking on prem. But there are site columns now on that document library, so I had the location and I had the the uh, the image with the map to the location, and I had the people who were in the picture because all of that information is in the picture because we tagged the faces of the people.
0: Yeah,
1: and then. I used a PowerShell script running on my laptop on prem, yeah, which would query the SharePoint Search API, find this, use the same trigger rules, which is find me images that have a latitude and longitude, and on then them. just kind of iterate through that collection. And then I collection. would download it, process it, send it out to Bing, bring it back. But instead of uploading the image again, I would just send the metadata back to the right. list. So it's very fast. The longest part is the download time to get a copy of the image right. that I can process locally. Okay. But if you're not doing that, if really what you're doing is just text to text, yeah. then you have no download time.
0: And it's not, but in this case, you're not writing back into the index, you're writing back to the I'm list writing item. writing back to the list item, yeah. and then, then the I wait or, for the
1: indexer to come through and crawl. And yeah. so what we did was we took a picture of some folks in the audience, yeah. tagged their faces, yeah. and then I searched for, you you know, Bob in in uh, Chicago. Yeah. And it took about three minutes for wow. the content to show up in the index, which I was blown yeah, away. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, Corey and I were prepared to do kind of a 10-minute soft yeah, like shoe a, like while we waiting. Yeah, exactly. That's impressive. Yeah, okay. so I was very impressed that, that we got the results back that fast. Because, I mean, Microsoft's commitment is to try to get new items in SharePoint Online into the index in under 10 minutes. And I've seen wow. them show up. If, you're, if you load them in in that nine-minute segment, yeah. I've seen them show up in as little as a minute. Wow, okay. So it's pretty impressive how fast that happens.
0: And, and so, you know, like from a user-in-space perspective, you've got the ability to customize the search results that are like native out-of-the-box with the right. SharePoint Center search center. You've got the ability to enrich it both on-prime and online. Absolutely. Um, but I think and there's much power in that. I think some people will just sometimes they miss the opportunities there of just improving the productivity experience for a user in our out-of-the-box type approaches. Mm-hmm. But also, I think sometimes they forget that if I'm in a mobile environment um, and I've got a mobile application, or I've got even a standalone web application, or maybe an office web running in Outlook or yep. Word or so forth to be able to reach into the search APIs in a similar way to you just said with that enrichment. See, and call. I blame you for that. <laughs>
1: because there are so many examples of doing camel queries against a list yeah. and doing camel queries against a site wow. and, and pulling back objects without using the search API. And just Using thing, SP list. That's how I do it. Or yeah. worse, yeah. get my list and get me item one, then get me item two, right, right. and I'm going to look for it myself. So use the search API, because yeah, yeah, not yeah. only can you target a specific list or a specific site for that information, but you can also target the entire farm. Everything that you have access to as a user can be exposed to you in your search and, app.
0: And do you think historically that's a little bit because as a developer, when I was you know a consultant, I found that I was getting burned a little bit by if you rely too heavily on searching on-prem, if they not got search set up properly, if it doesn't scale, if they've not configured the indexes, it it would not work for your application. I think that it seems like the market's matured a little bit now. And obviously if you're online, search is being looked after you by the service. So there's definitely a a much better way, I think, of grabbing information, discovering it, using the search APIs now than maybe if you leaned on it before in the past where people didn't know how to set up search on-prem, for instance.
1: No, I agree with you. And, 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 and really, it's it's companies that aren't paying attention to search, so when they look at their infrastructure for SharePoint, they think, I'm just going to stand up three boxes because I can, and yeah. it seems to be running, Yeah, yeah. and well, we'll just put all the search components on the same box that we're running central administration. Yeah. They're not going to have a great search experience on-prem, yeah. but then you compare that to what we have in Office 365, where not only, like you said, is it being looked after and fostered, but it's being significantly improved with things like Delve and the Office Graph, being able to use machine learning to tell me that a document that I'm looking for was shown to me in a meeting with Jeremy Fake a right. week ago. Yeah. That's that's incredible that they can do that kind of thing.
0: And what do you see customers doing around that API? Like that's a really good example of like having that intelligent data right. that you can kind of weave into your application in context. But are there any examples that you've got offhand where you've seen that being used? Just not even in the Office Graph and the Dell, but just Search API in general. Well, I've seen seen examples where organizations have
1: built a site that runs on an iPad or runs on an iPhone or runs on a Windows phone or on an Android phone. But they're using a website for that that is calling into calling into SharePoint search to be able to, so external call into the SharePoint search API, and then being able to render those results, maybe filtered in certain ways, like just show me my my files off of the team sites that I have access to or specific team sites and being able to have salespeople be able to pull up specific contracts very quickly in a targeted way right, right. On, their, on their phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so rather than them so, kind of relying on their OneDrive app yeah. and navigating through right. to try and find it.
1: Contracts that are assigned to me yeah. that are still open and unsigned. Yep. You know, asking those kinds of questions using search rather than using a camel query right. is w- so much more powerful and so much more performant. But then rendering it because you're going to get back JSON rendering that in your own app so that you're End users know exactly what they're seeing and yep.
0: understand that app. Yeah, and I think in, in context of whatever else they're doing with inside sort of that application, precisely, right?
1: precisely. Because maybe they have a contact <clears throat> app, or they just have a you have a simple page that says these are your outstanding approvals. Yeah, and it reminds them to get those contracts signed and yep. keep calling those clients. Yeah,
0: I definitely think it's underused, mm-hmm. and and we see time and time again that people are resorting back to camel queries and stuff to do that yeah. type of stuff. And you you know totally right there that search uh, I, is, is I, something that people just forget. There's a different way of traversing sure. information inside sure. of SharePoint. What we need to
1: do is we need to do the post. There was a post about three years ago that showed the difference between the performance of search yeah, versus right. every other opportunity to access yeah. content. I think we need to revive really that, that for 2016. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, come back and show the new benchmarks for yeah. how and the appropriate ways to access data. Yeah. Would be a really good way of, of, of producing that and including it in the architecture approaches for different applications.
0: And, and I think, you know, you mentioned Delve as, as something that the search have actively worked on as well. And it's something I personally use a lot internally at Microsoft. I spy on a lot of people and, and see what they're working on, and fortunately I seem to have access to a lot of site collections and document libraries. And um, it's pretty amazing what you can uncover of uh, general managers and even higher than that. Interesting. Um, in there around these vision documents and what they're presenting to certain customers or executive briefings and things. And obviously, so there's a security element to search as well. Absolutely. And that's something that is a little bit on the softer side of consultancy than it is a developer concern. But what, what types of advice do you give to people around that, like, where people are fearful of using search because they're i, I always remember a case and I, this was a customer i walked into where they had all of the salary documents mm. for the end of the year stored in an hr folder and they didn't realize it wasn't locked down right cool. and then um two months later they switched on sharepoint search and indexed the whole thing mm. and someone went in and typed in jeremy fake salary and of course the first document that came up was his end of year letter yep. so what types of things do you do where customers are trying you know, took them off the ledge of, you know, no, we're not doing search or we're going to lock it well, down. Or not leverage I, I it. find
1: that when we start into a SharePoint project, we can, it's easy to talk about it. But like you said, once the, once you, once the horses are out of the barn, yeah. sometimes it's hard to close the doors again and get, <laughs> yeah. get them back. So <laughs> we talk about migration strategies. Like if a client wants to index a huge file share, but they're unwilling to actually burrow down and find out what's in that file share and yeah. try to, because... You know, they think that if a folder's 19 levels down, no one will find it. And that's where I'll put Jeremy Fake's salary letter. Right, right. So, a lot of times, (laughs) what I'll try to do is work with them on at least a day forward approach. So, we'll create a new folder in the file share that is crawled. Right, right. And then, as they move the document, as they move the folders out of the private, uncrawled section into the crawled section, it has to be vetted by somebody so that they start appearing in the index and people know that that's what's in that folder.
0: And I think Delve is gonna bring a lot of awareness to that as well. Like if I go to my page I can see what I've shared, but jumping around I can start to see what other, uh, what other people, people are sharing share. as well. Yeah. And I think even in OneDrive for business now there's certain icons that shows like whether it's everyone can see this yeah. or yeah, two head icon versus right. the lock and then, and then you can click in things. and the yep. shed with will indicate this is how many people are shared with it. Yeah. My favorite is the shared with lots of people. Yes, right. <laughs> and <you're> like, oh, <laughs> it shouldn't be. Cl- click on that one very <laughs> yeah, quickly. Absolutely. So, um, so that's that. I mean, from from that area, you know, we have the search API. Mm-hmm. But then, when we talk about the office graph, and I noticed this in Wardex's discussion on Saturday, was. All the Office Graph is is calling the Search API, but with a certain syntax when you throw it to that Search API. For now, it, what do you know much about that? Is it something you could talk to?
1: I, I honestly, I haven't worked a ton with the Office Graph, but yeah. I do follow Waldeck on a lot of the things that yeah. he's doing, and it's exciting to see that that Microsoft is investing not just in the Office Graph, but also in the in the machine learning algorithms in the cloud, yeah. because this is a this is a huge infrastructure that we're never going to have a on prem deployable version right. of that. And the thing that's exciting is if you're on-prem, solidly on-prem, never going to go to the cloud, you're not going to be able to take advantage of those things. Right, right. But what's exciting is that if you're willing to go partially to the cloud, yep. there's new hybrid opportunities for search to be able to. So traditionally up till, well, up till two months ago, if you had an Office 365 tenant and a SharePoint on-prem tenant, you could set up a hybrid search experience, which was not great. Yeah. Essentially, it was here's your local here's your local results and here's your here's your cloud results. Which means that if you went into Office Graph, the only thing that's influencing Office Graph, the only thing that's influencing Delve, is the stuff that you have in Office 365. Right, right. None of your on-prem documents are are influencing anything in Office 365. Okay. And so at Ignite, and again here in Amsterdam, the presentations are showing how we can now use the new cloud search appliance or cloud search uh, service application to take our on-prem indexed documents, but not just documents out of on-prem SharePoint. And not just on-prem SharePoint 2013, but anything the indexer on-prem can go after yeah. can be pushed into the cloud,
0: which into means a cloud index. into the
1: cloud index. Wow.
0: Okay. I didn't so know I'm that. not
1: moving the documents into the right. index, but I'm moving the signals or the I'm moving the indexable content right, right. to the cloud. Wow. Where now machine learning can take action on that. Wow. So I'm in Office 365. I'm yeah. in my tenant. I execute a search, and I see search results from. My on-prem SharePoint environment, from my Office 365 SharePoint environment, from my on-prem file shares, from my on-prem BCS results, custom data. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing all of that, and I can now have the Dell machine learning take advantage of the fact that it knows everything about the corpus of content that I'm that I'm um,
0: indexing. Yeah, that's really powerful, and from a developer perspective. That's a huge amount of information to get out in the Search API Absolutely. on top of what Office Graph is doing around that machine learning aspect of it as that's well. Right. And that's right. So that's cool. Now,
1: so now when we talk about a solution around Office Graph, when we talk about a solution around the Delve API, we're really talking about everything that this organization Right, owns. right. But the other advantage is that if I talk about an organization that's global, and may have seven SharePoint farms, but yeah. one Office 365 tenant, all of those SharePoint farms can share their information up uh, to the cloud. So they're not yeah. pushing, they're not pushing indexable content so, from Japan to North America right, right, right. to Europe. They're actually pushing it up into Office 365 where it's all being indexed so they can reduce their server footprint on-prem wow. and decrease the size of their search farm. Yeah. Less servers to patch, less servers to license. Um, it's just it's such That's an really amazing nice. solution. So at Ignite, when and Katarine did a session. Um, it was a BRK thirty one thirty four that introduced this notion. Yeah, and then and of course Neil Hodgkinson's here doing that, doing a similar session which updated all of that information. So anybody who's running SharePoint twenty thirteen with the August cumulative updates or the October cumulative updates for twenty fifteen yeah. has this SSA in their farm and available. They just have to use PowerShell to provision it. Wow, and then set up the set up the security.
0: Dude, that's really powerful. It's amazing. Cool. Yeah, I I've really. Appreciate getting that info, wealth of information out of you. I know you've been doing this for a long time, and I, I really wanted to get you on. I'm sorry it's taken six oh, shows to do it. No worries. But um, no worries. It, I think for developers out there, you know, this is something that often gets mixed or gets chucked in a bucket of SharePoint and I don't want to touch it. Yeah. But there's so much value in in adding this into business solutions, whether you're a standalone web application, mobile applications, office web add-ins. There's a a ton of places which can be leveraged. So um, we'll um, definitely keep pushing in this area. I need to get Waldeck back on to talk a bit more about the office graph and some of the stuff he's been doing there as well. But um, I really like that primer in terms of what you can do at the UI level, at the index level, and then obviously at the um, API level as well. So a big thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. It's great talking to you how can people get in country if they're like totally addicted now to search like well, what, what's the ways to reach reach so you? Uh,
1: my blog is uh, ableblue.com slash blog yeah you can always get me on twitter at matthew mcd yep and uh my email address is matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W at Apollon.com, aptillon.com. aptillo com.
0: Cool. Yeah. And when do you head home from Amsterdam? We're going to stick around until uh, Tuesday. We're going to oh, spend nice. a couple of days
1: down in Bruges. We're going to go down to Belgium for a couple oh, of days. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And, uh, and then come back and, Head back home. I'm home for two days, and then I'm back on the road again. I'm teaching Coming
0: in to Boston, Boston, and then the and Summit, then,
1: and then Summit. Oh and then wow! I get home from Summit, and I think I'm back in Tampa for a week, and up to Washington D.C., and then that's Thanksgiving.
0: Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought my travel was bad, but you've just has been yeah.
1: a busy, busy couple of weeks.
0: Well, I'm glad you got your wife with you uh, oh, for this great. trip. It makes it a bit different, right? Yeah, it's been wonderful. Excellent. Well, thanks again, man. It's great to see you, and uh, we'll definitely get you on the show later on down the path and talk about search a bit more and anything else you got working on as well oh, that'd be excellent jeremy thanks so much cheers man thank you Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program. We can get a one-year three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash Office 365 Dev Podcast Yam, Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.